Welcome to the Partcast series, episode 50, part 1. Homelessness among youth involved with the child welfare system. The Partcast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archive. This particle will summarize the literature on homelessness among youth involved in the child welfare system, including rates and predictors of youth homelessness, the effectiveness of existing interventions, and recommendations for research and practice. Three key points. One, approximately 18.7 of homeless Canadians are youth. Rates of youth homelessness themselves vary across research studies, but consistently is reported that youth aging out of foster care experience homelessness at a greater rate than youth from low-income families in the general population. Two, there is a documented link between child welfare system involvement and youth homelessness in both Canada and the USA, but the nature of this relationship is not yet understood. For example, whether the experience of homelessness is due to child welfare involvement itself or whether child and youth experiences prior to child welfare involvement or other factors are related. Three, on the whole, youth who receive housing interventions demonstrate better outcomes when compared to youth who did not. However, the methods of program evaluations included in this review were weak in terms of determining the effectiveness of the program at improving youth's transitions to independence. Introduction and Research Questions There is a large body of research that highlights complicated histories of homeless youth. It is well established in the research literature, and many observe in their own practice, that youth aging out of foster care commonly struggle in many areas of their lives, including education, employment, health, and substance abuse. One key area that emerges through the research is housing stability. In Ontario, there is a formal recognition of permanency as a key performance indicator in child welfare system, reporting. This factor is considered critical to positive child development. More research on this topic can be found by searching placement stability and permanency at parkcanada.org. In general, youth aging out of foster care and group care do not have the same supports as youth living at home and are at high risk of becoming homeless. In recent years, the length of time that youth are relying on support from their parents has generally increased. Youth are living at home longer, returning home after attending school, etc. Youth aging out of out of home care, due in part to unpredictable childhoods and adolescence, are often dealing with great hardships, including lower rates of high school graduation, lack of steady employment, and reliance on government assistance. There are also high rates of mental illness and substance abuse, and higher rates of criminal justice involvement than non foster youth peers. This research review will summarize the literature to focus around three key research questions about homelessness among child welfare-involved youth. One, how common is homelessness among youth with histories of foster care or child welfare involvement? Two, is a history of maltreatment related to a youth's experience of homelessness? Three, what interventions have an evidence base to support youth living in or exiting homelessness? Defining homelessness. The concept of homelessness is unpacked in different ways across the literature, but consistently incorporates multiple criteria in order to capture the nuances of this experience. Housing insecurity. Housing insecurity is an umbrella term that encompasses multiple types of housing issues. 
Two categories of housing insecurity are frequently experienced by low-income families and reflected in the literature. Housing instability ranges in severity from frequent moves to eviction and literal homelessness. Housing unaffordability may precede instability. Instability is measured in a few different ways in the literature. For youth, most measures refer to a one-year period following aging out of or exit from foster care. Within this period, youth were considered to experience instability if they reported becoming homeless with housing, homeless without housing, or living in a shelter at any point. Risk factors for instability include multiple moves, difficulty affording rent, and having been evicted or having experienced literal homelessness. Previous analyses suggest that these indicators are critical characteristics of severe housing problems. Some studies will expand on the concept of current housing instability to incorporate historical placement stability, such as history of foster care and running away from care. Housing affordability. This problem is largely concentrated at the bottom of the income distribution. There is general consensus among both researchers and practitioners across disciplines that spending more than 30% of income on housing are housing cost burdened, and that those spending more than 50% are severely house cost burdened. While unaffordability has been identified as the most prevalent housing problem among low-income families, there is some empirical evidence of its direct or indirect effects on parental stress and well-being. Literal Homelessness This refers to the experience of spending at least one night in a hotel, motel, vehicle, or on the streets, or in a shelter in the past 12 months. Methods matter. Not only does providing the above questions help organize this research review and make information easier to find, it also demonstrates what a simple and unbiased research question may look like. One area that practitioners say is most challenging in evidence-informed practice is accessing research that accurately answers their question. The key here is to match the practice question to the research methodology. There are many ways that research can be done. There is no one methodology that is best overall, just best at answering a certain question. This will be unpacked in more detail under each section of this literature review. As always, the intention of the particle literature review is to summarize and critically appraise the available research. Therefore, providing meaningful descriptions of research methodologies support the application of research in child welfare practice. Occurrence of homelessness. How common is homelessness among youth with histories of foster care or child welfare involvement? The ideal research method to answer this question of occurrence is a longitudinal or cross-sectional study. Longitudinal studies can determine patterns in youth homelessness and understand more detail about the relationships between homelessness and other factors, like mental health or history of maltreatment. Cross-sectional studies provide an estimate, at one point in time, of the experience of homelessness. The Homeless Canadians Report of 2014 highlights the issues in data collection and understanding occurrence by saying, In an age of big data and advanced technology, we should be able to know in real time exactly how many Canadians are homeless, who they are, and whether the interventions they receive are effective. We should be able to respond to their needs with a coordinated system of care that is simple for clients to navigate, and we should be able to target resources in the homeless system to those who need it the most. Using a new initiative, the 2016 Coordinated Point-in-Time Count, a cross-sectional study that measured the number of homeless individuals on a single night, and the Government of Canada's Report of Emergency Shelter Data, the best available estimate is 35,000 Canadians are homeless on a given night, and 235,000 Canadians experience homelessness over the course of a year.
Of these, our best current estimate is that 18.7 are youth. However, while improvements in data collection are indeed being made, we are still building up to the point of having longitudinal data on the nature and extent of homelessness among youth in Canada. The rates of youth homelessness themselves may vary across research studies, but consistently it is reported that youth aging out of foster care experience homelessness at a greater rate than youth from low-income families in the general population. These findings come from studies of youth as they report on current housing experiences, as well as studies that survey adults about their experiences in the years since leaving foster care. LGBTQ Youth Two studies emerged in the literature search for this review that discussed the implications of youth's sexual minority status as it relates to housing and homelessness. While neither can speak for the experiences of all youth, it is important to summarize what little research is available as it supports the development of future research, attentiveness in child welfare practice, and may also extend a sense of empathy to youth who are currently experiencing similar situations. In the general non-child welfare population, identifying as a sexual minority was identified as a strong predictor of homelessness among youth, even after controlling for child welfare experiences. Studies have found the experiences of homelessness to be up to twice as likely among sexual minority youth than their heterosexual peers. Victimization within youth's families, measured by a series of questions on abuse and neglect behaviors, and higher placement instability were each associated with experiencing homelessness. In fact, each additional victimization experience reported by youth, as well as each additional placement move, increased the likelihood of homelessness by 10%. Family rejection and violence are often cited reasons for LGBTQ youth entering out-of-home care. Though no recent study with foster youth has directly made this connection, research with youth experiencing homelessness suggests that there may be evidence to support this theory. In addition to discrimination and safety concerns, U.S. child welfare workers' accounts suggest that LGBTQ youth in foster care are less likely to find a permanent home, either by reunification or adoption, than their peers, with transgender youth reporting experiencing the greatest difficulties in achieving permanency. A lack of population-level data on disparities between groups limits the understanding of how pronounced these differences might be. In particular, with regard to sexual orientation, data might not be known by others reporting on behalf of the youth or child, or may not be reported honestly by children or youth themselves in fear of repercussions. Thinking critically. Consider your practice experience. Have you worked with youth experiencing homelessness? How are these experiences aligned with the above discussion of occurrence? What is different about your experience? What, if anything, stands out to you about the experiences of LGBTQ youth in housing? Association. Does a history of foster care or maltreatment predict homelessness? Research questions about association seek to understand whether two things are related and how they are related. A history of childhood maltreatment is associated with an increased risk in becoming homeless. Among youth accessing homeless services, nearly 60% have been found to have histories of reported maltreatment at least once during childhood. Almost 75% of youth who report early entry into homelessness, which is defined as before age 16, also reported child welfare involvement. There is some evidence to suggest that female youth with histories of child maltreatment are more likely to experience homelessness than their male counterparts. Youth with histories of foster care reported significantly greater incidences of childhood physical abuse, physical neglect, and sexual abuse, and significantly longer durations of homelessness than their non-foster youth peers. 
a greater duration of homelessness among youth with histories of foster care was also associated with increased age, greater housing instability, and likelihood of staying with friends or family rather than literal homelessness in formal shelter. One Canadian study of homeless adults with mental illness in Vancouver, British Columbia, found history of foster care to predict a number of key life experiences. Most significantly, a history of foster care placement was associated with a longer duration of homelessness as an adult. Despite the documented link between child welfare system involvement and youth homelessness in both Canada and the U.S., the nature of this relationship is not yet untangled based on literature. It is not clear whether the experience of homelessness is due to child welfare interventions themselves, child or youth experiences prior to child welfare system involvement, or other factors. Importantly, this lack of clarity on the causes of homelessness do not negate the child welfare system from taking a role in preventing this experience for youth. A report by the Canadian Observatory on Homelessness of 2017 outlines a number of recommendations for systems, organizations, and practitioners to engage in to promote the goal of prevention. Are experiences of homelessness related to mental health challenges? A national study of youth accessing homeless services in Canada outlines the mental health issues faced by this population. This cross-sectional survey is extensive and the most comprehensive to date including youth from across the country, excluding Prince Edward Island, Yukon Territory, and Northwest Territories. Over 40% of youth reported one or more suicide attempts, and 85% experienced a high range of psychological distress. Critical indicators of an increased potential for mental health challenges included an earlier age at first homelessness episode, female gender, and or identifying as a gender or sexual minority, LGBTQ or two-spirited, Youth with a history of child welfare involvement reported higher symptoms of psychological distress, lower quality of life, and higher suicide attempt rates. Studies from the USA corroborate these experiences, suggesting that having symptoms of a mental health disorder is shown to be associated with an increased risk of becoming homeless. The impact of mental health challenges can be felt in youth's experiences of accessing services. Particularly, there is an association between difficulty following rules at shelters and depressive symptoms among homeless youth. This finding may suggest that youth experiencing various challenges with mental health, including conduct disorders, oppositional defiant disorder, depression, and anxiety, as well as substance abuse, indicate a potential response to authority in general, which may be problematic in accessing necessary supports. What other factors predict homelessness? Among youth aging out of the foster care system, surprisingly little research systematically examines factors that may predict homelessness. While not generalizable to all youth emancipating from care, there is one study from Washington State that has found 15 predictive factors for youth experiencing homelessness within the year of aging out of foster care. Most significant were the following domains. Youth who previously identified in either social services or education data as having experienced episodes of homelessness were more likely to experience homelessness in the year after aging out of foster care. Youth who had experienced disrupted adoption and youth with multiple, two or more, placements in their lifetime were more likely to become homeless. Those youth who had ever had a foster placement with a relative were less likely to become homeless. Having parented a child, four or more recent evictions, and having mental health issues each increased the risk of youth experiencing homelessness. These findings are not surprising. They are themes corroborated throughout this literature review. 
What can be taken from these studies is an indication of the potential areas that, if targeted, may impact rates of homelessness in this population. Thinking critically. How does the above resonate with your own experiences of working with youth? In what ways can you identify red flags such as instability, disrupted adoption, or mental health issues? How can these challenges be recognized as opportunities for support? Effectiveness of interventions. What interventions have an evidence base to support youth living in or exiting homelessness? Does the reviewed research use the best methodology to answer this question about effectiveness? Whether an intervention works is a question about whether the intervention is effective or it does what it claims to do. Effectiveness questions can only be answered by experiments, particularly randomized controlled trials. Other aspects about programs or interventions can be learned by hosting focus groups with children and youth caregivers or workers, but this does not say whether the intervention was effective. It can tell what participants think or what they observed and is only representative of those participants. For example, using a housing subsidy intervention for children and families with the goal of reducing long-term homelessness. Workers may enjoy it and find it easy to administer, and wait times for housing subsidies could be low. However, without information on the outcomes or the effect of the subsidy, it is not possible to say whether the program delivers long-term housing stability, or whether the families who received the subsidy fared better than families who did not. Independent Living Independent living interventions provide a comprehensive roster of resources to target improvements in education, housing, and employment. There is overlap in the literature and concepts of transitional housing and supportive housing. Both terms are used to describe a similar program of services, which aim to support youth in the transition to adulthood by improving a variety of independent living skills, like self-control, sense of responsibility, ability to take initiative, school attendance, and employment. In a scoping review of the literature on interventions, it was found that as a whole, Youth who received housing interventions demonstrated better outcomes when compared to youth who did not receive these interventions. Overall, these programs generally report positive outcomes for youth's ability to complete their education and gain employment. However, the methods of the program evaluations included in this review were weak in terms of determining the effectiveness of the program at improving youth's transitions to independence. What this means is that the methodology is not best suited to answer this research question. The implications of the lack of rigorous research are discussed below. One article raises an interesting issue on the location of supportive housing opportunities for youth. Through their analyses, the authors found that the locations of beds are not related to the zip codes in where youth are transitioning out of foster care or the juvenile justice system. Regardless of whether they are beds specifically for transition-age youth, all beds were located in low-income zip codes. The results indicate that housing facilities were not related to where youth actually age out of foster care or where youth re-enter the community following confinement. The authors raise important questions about the peripheral supports available to youths in the neighborhoods where they are living. These locations may not provide optimal settings for youth to successfully transition to adulthood, as supportive housing that is located in these neighborhoods may not have employment or educational opportunities compared to more advantaged areas. Interestingly, the location of the supportive housing unit may not be a component of the program that would necessarily be captured in an evaluation, but rather the availability of the unit or not. However, this study instigates a reason to pause and consider the factors outside of the program itself and how this may impact the outcome.
In a true experimental study, every effort would be made to control for these factors. This would give greater confidence that any improvement seen in the youth is due to the program or intervention itself. Thinking critically. In what ways are independent living services available to youth in your organization, supporting or hindering their future housing stability? Where is there room for improvement? Of the supports available to your organization or community, which have been evaluated? What did these evaluations say? Do you need more information to better understand the impact of these programs? Conclusions and recommendations. Program evaluation. Overall, there is a resounding call for more rigorous evidence on interventions to reduce homelessness among youth transitioning from foster care. Available data suggests homelessness among youth transitioning out of foster care is not an uncommon experience. While some research with poor rigor suggests positive outcomes in terms of housing and employment for youth who access supportive and transitional housing services, there remains a large number of youth who are not realizing these benefits. What this suggests may be twofold. One, program reach. There is a population of youth aging out of foster care who are not receiving the necessary supports and continue to experience episodes of homelessness or chronic housing instability. Two, program aims. Even among youth who are receiving services, there may be gaps in the targeted interventions that will make a lasting difference in their housing situation. Longitudinal experimental studies are required to determine the effectiveness of interventions, including independent living programs, on improving youth's transition to independence, including impacts on education and employment. A clear theme in the recommendations from the reviewed literature is early transition supports for children and youth involved in the foster care system. This literature overwhelmingly supports early intervention for youths aging out of foster care system to encourage stability throughout this transition and to promote service utilization until the age of emancipation. Recent policy changes to extend the age for which youth are eligible for child welfare services is a likely step in the right direction. The impact of such policies on service provision, access, and outcomes is required. There is also a demonstrated need for the comprehensive understanding of referral processes to independent living, mental health, and other support services for transitional-aged youth to ensure accessibility. Stability Stable foster care placement and ongoing social supports are repeatedly promoted in the literature and child welfare policies. Every effort should be made to maintain stability across the board for youth involved in the child welfare system, including placement, education, and social support or mentorship throughout youth and the transition into adulthood. Youth experiencing high levels of housing instability, perhaps moving among friends and family but not accessing formal shelter or homeless services, are a very difficult population to serve. The nuances of their experiences are largely absent from the research, as they are essentially invisible to the researcher's lens. A solution is needed in identifying the different relationships that are important for these youth and the services most likely to address their needs. Mental Health Services The National Canadian Homeless Youth Survey provides clear evidence of the need to, for mental health support among homeless youth, particularly female and LGBTQ2S youth. This report and others are available for public review at www.homelesshub.ca. Further recommendations for integrated service delivery for concurrent disorders among transitional-aged homeless youth and young adults 
where both psychiatric and substance use problems were made. There continue to be recommendations across research and policy for improved mental health services for all children and youth involved in the child welfare system. Trauma-Informed Approach At this time, both workers and researchers have a fulsome understanding of the complex traumatic histories of youth and children in care. A trauma-informed approach to shelter and homeless services is generally recommended across the literature, as youth are highly likely to have traumatic histories and current experiences. A trauma-informed approach has the potential to improve psychosocial outcomes among youth accessing homeless services. More information about trauma-informed practice can be found in the particle literature review entitled Trauma-Informed Practice in Child Welfare, available at www.partcanada.org. You have been listening to the Partcast series, Episode 50, Part 1, Homelessness Among Youth Involved in the Child Welfare System. The Partcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information on this episode's topic or other episodes in the Partcast series, please visit www.partcanada.org.